Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 37. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope and I'm joined by Progress Director Richard Angel. Our main podcast this week was on neglect, loneliness and the care sector with guests Alex Smith from the Cares Family and Mary Wimbury from Social Care Wales. Obviously, I wasn't on this week's episode, but Richard, uh, what did you make of it? That we missed you as the host, Connor. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed listening back to it, but I also enjoyed doing it at the time because both of them come from different perspectives to a kind of similar issue and one that public policy hasn't taken seriously enough for a very long time. But what's also been interesting about it is it's actually garnered quite a bit of feedback. So I called a friend of mine the other day who said, oh, I'm listening to this edition of the podcast, which I could. And somebody in the office said that their family member got in touch and somebody else sent me a, a DM just saying, really good edition. So I think it's a conversation that people are wanting mm. to talk about because we have this strong sense that um, nearest and dearest and loved ones are facing this kind of abyss of social care. And also, I think we're kind of conscious of the loneliness thing. And one of the things that somebody said back, which was a point that I made on the podcast, just how difficult it can be as an adult to make new friends, which of course, Alison tried to make a joke about my ability to make <laughs> friends. And one of the things we we're saying is actually the lay party is quite good for that because you yeah, have friends yeah, who are, you know, people join the lay party in their teens and you could have people who are uh, in their eighties and sometimes we're all at the same meetings. And I, I quite like that about the Labour Party. I was at my CLP meeting last night. The minute I get there, you know, I get a kind of hug from my honorary Jewish mother and, <laughs> you know, I end up sitting next to somebody who's, when he's not helping the Labour Party, is a bird watcher. And this guy who turned up for the first time, who's a young member who's joining the party, came and sat with me. And it was really, so that was quite nice. But if you're not in a social group like that, particularly if you move cities and you don't work for a big employer, how do you make new friends as an adult. And I think that f- seemed to chime with people that you can see how that leads to loneliness. And the bit I also really enjoyed was Mary Wimbry's little story about the woman who 
had pledged uh, or had asked, requested with her half an hour free time from her care agency for somebody who could talk to her about politics and Brexit. Mm. I thought it was quite nice. No, it's, it's, it's a funny area because it, it is one of those few areas that feels like it completely encompasses both the policy discussions that we often have on this podcast, but also it hits home on a very personal level because these are issues that actually aren't really related to class or or lots of other you know things that they, they do kind of affect everyone on a very personal level and, and so it's quite interesting to think about how you can devise policies that are universalist and alex white uh, sorry, and alex smith obviously was the guest and one of the things he was actually saying is this isn't a massive role for government but there's something all of us can mm, do yeah. you know take off your headphones and talk to the person you speak to on the counter engage properly with the person on the bus don't just like tap your oyster or you know other city version uh insert here um you know engage with the people around you and actually probably down your street you know of an older person who you haven't seen out sometimes you pass normally when they're getting their paper and you are and you haven't noticed them for a few weeks like is it worth dropping them a note round? There's, there's things that we can all do that make our communities better communities and neighbourhoods and the individuals in them who miss those out feel less isolated. And actually, um, slightly go off on a tangent here, but we, we often talk about the ways that big cities in particular um, don't kind of uh, incubate community spirit in the way that perhaps they did so in the past. And I know that's one of the reasons that Alex launched um, his organisation, first of all, with North London cares as, mm. as, as a very kind of city centered thing uh, but actually what's quite interesting at, at the moment with the world cup is in my block of flats there is a family who's brazilian they're upstairs my next door neighbors on one side are all polish and on the other side are french and i very rarely speak to any of them at all but it's been quite nice to stop and have very quick chats about how People's yeah. uh, football teams have been doing over the past couple of weeks. There is a big Brazilian flag currently flying just above my window from the uh, upstairs neighbour. But we interviewed Shadow Health Secretary Jonathan Ashworth for the upcoming July issue of Progress magazine. Uh, we interviewed him this week. The magazine should be out with members around this time next week. And he was very clear with us that um, it feels a bit outdated to try and separate social care from health, wasn't he? What did you think of that? Yeah, it- it was. I mean, I slightly. When you're a Labour Party member, we've been banging on about this since what 2008. Andy Burnham came out with quite a strong uh, plan as the health secretary, as he then was trying to get cross-party support that looked like it was nearly going to happen. And the Tories reneged on it at the last minute. We spent the last Parliament really working up those proposals. We had city leaders who were doing bits and pieces. Andy Burnham is now back with special powers in Manchester trying to make this happen. You know, we are committed to this, thinking it through, working up those proposals, keen to make it happen. But it's one of those times where you really run up against the fact we are living under a Tory government that have done so little other than rename a government department, for goodness sake. It's so necessary to do because if you don't sort out health and social care together, you're essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul anyway. And, and, and why this silly government announcement this week on the Brexit dividend paying for all this extra money to the NHS has totally fallen apart. Not only is there not a Brexit dividend, they won't say where the taxes are going to come from and who they're going to be raised on, etc. But they haven't got a plan for the social care element. So you are literally, you know, people are quoting back the health secretary basically said, you know, if you put money in the health service without sorting out social care, you're just putting money down a drain or a black hole or whatever the analogy that was used was. And this is coming straight from them and they're, yeah, yeah. they're so incompetent. So 
I think Jonathan shares the same frustration that those of us who've been talking about this for, what, a decade now uh, feel. And actually, there's been diddly squat progress. If uh, people do want to read that interview in full, do join Progress for as little as £3 a month at prog.rs forward slash join. The magazine will get sent straight to your door. Of course, we also speak to him a little bit about Brexit and the effect of uh, that on the health service, which um, he's really interested on. On that kind of issue, there were more meaningful votes about meaningful votes in the Commons um, this week. These Tory rebels don't seem particularly rebellious, do they? They don't. Uh, I think everyone's kind of scratching their head that Dominic Reeves has marched his troops to the top of the hill again and ended up voting against his own amendment. And, of course, that will corrode the goodwill he has with colleagues in the Lords who are, uh, you know, didn't want to be ping-ponging that bill back and forward and be seen to be frustrating the bill, but it net empowering the Commons to have a say on these issues. But of course, Dominic Rees got a sense that he had a compromise from the Prime Minister. The sense was that she'd reneged on it. So one of his, uh, I think it was a Viscount um, in the Lords, <laughs> a, 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 as you do, uh, I know a Viscount. So he asked them to put in this amendment again. And then he votes against it and only t- six Tory rebels turned out. So yeah. and I think lots of people are disappointed because if you can't rebel on the kind of processology and the fact that Parliament will be sovereign going forward then are they going to vote, uh, rebel on the other things? I think we have to remain optimistic that they will. Uh, Politics is about the art of the possible. And I think it is possible because the general election moved the decision from the cabinet's hands to parliament's hands. So we have to see whether parliament will grab it with both hands and whether it might give it back to the public. And we'll be at uh, a rally in London tomorrow with uh, LabourSay.eu campaigners, uh, me and you, Richard, calling for Labour members to have a vote on Brexit at conference but how big of a problem is it that the Tory pro-European wing is so soft? How do we kind of, I don't know, convince them that, that actually, because we need a few of those to peel off in order to get stuff through in Parliament? We do. And that's why I think marches uh, and events like this Saturday are going to be so important to show um, that there is a strength of feeling out there, that we don't want to fall out, that democracy didn't start and end on the 23rd of June 2016, that two years later... We're still here. We're really none the wiser about what the upsides of Brexit are going to be. But we are clear that the Brexit that was promised the British public is unlikely to be delivered in any of its real facets. And so I think it's worth people showing that citizens still care, have a say, want to have a say going forward. And of course, it's not just happening in London. It's happening in various places around the country. I think the the big and the main one will be in London on that two-year anniversary of the vote that's potentially changed our country forever. And I think if Tories see that, some of them will realise what's happening. The bit I thought the most interesting is the reason why the Tory frontbench resignation happened was actually nothing to do with public pressure, but their own sense of like, how will I ever explain to my kids that I knowingly made my fellow countrymen worse off and made my country less powerful? And that, that gave me some hope, actually. You can join us, Labour members, on Saturday, tomorrow, for the People's Vote March in London, we'll be meeting on Pall Mall shortly before noon. Look out for the people with red LabourSay.eu placards because that'll be us. On that point that you just made, actually, we got a really interesting iTunes review this week from user M Threlfall, uh, who's frustrated that we, uh, Progress, and the MPs who appear on the Progressive Britain podcast all seem to advocate one type of Brexit or another, whether it's, you know, talking about the single market or trade and things how we shape Brexit. 
Um, but this user says that there is no good Brexit. Every option has been considered and none would work better than staying in. Wake up Labour, drop Brexit. And he seemed, they seem uh, pretty disappointed with the way that we talk about it. What do you think of that? Well, look, I and I'm pretty sure Alison and others would agree with this, that we think what is best for Britain is to remain and to remain in the EU. But the British public did have their say and they did decide to take it down the route of Brexit. And we are honouring that by going through the process of Brexiting. And I think that is important uh, to do and to be seen to be doing properly. You know, we're not trying to sabotage the Tories' attempts to Brexit. We are trying to get a least worst outcome and the very best possible deal. And that's why Alison at Progress Annual Conference uh was it 2017, launched the Labour campaign for the single market because we want to try and reconcile honouring what the British public gave us as homework to do and meeting uh, that aspiration without making people poorer as an outcome uh, and doing what Jeremy Corbyn's called a jobs first Brexit, which you can only have by being in both the customs union and the single market, let alone those who want to stop austerity, you know, cutting 45 billion a year from the treasury intake is not going to help relieve austerity it's going to compound it so you try and make it work um and we're trying to give the government the various options as these various votes uh provided by the house of lords have been doing and there there is a split between the split in labor is not between those who want to aid brexit or stop brexit it's between those who want at least worse brexit and then put the choice to the public and those who, quite frankly, are going along with Brexit proper, and not just a, a Brexit that works for people or works for working people, but one that actually works for the Tories. And that's, I think, been the disappointing thing in the last few weeks is when Labour's had the opportunity to front up to the Tories, it's often actually gone for an option that lets them off the hook. So we do need to wrap up in a minute, but uh, just quickly this week for the pub quiz question. I asked which two shadow cabinet members resigned after Roy Jenkins did when Labour adopted a pro-European referendum stance in the 1970s. This, Who were they? I don't this know. This is proper niche knowledge. It's very difficult to even Google. Uh, and I'm afraid no one did Connor get it right. Connor was so proud with his geek status yeah, on this yeah. one. The correct answer was uh, Harold Lever and George Thompson. They were the two front benches we were looking for. And George Thompson went on to be an EU commissioner, I believe. I'm pretty sure he did. That's interesting. You're showing off now. Yeah, no, I, 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 I know that name. <laughs> anyway, we will be back on Tuesday next week talking about uh, the health service in more detail, probably a bit more about that Jonathan Ashworth interview as well. Do remember to send in any comments and questions, leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. And thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.